Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Uh, welcome to 2023 uh, and most recent episode of uh, podca- our podcast with Great Points. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, your credit score. Uh, and you know, with the goal for one of these sessions each month is going to be kind of like a financial tip for newer investors, newer planners, and, and people that might just need a little bit of direction when it comes to their overall finances. Uh, and I thought no better place to start with your credit score. Uh, this is a pretty important part of a lot of your uh, financial decision making and something that maybe as you, and you're newer to the financial world, you may not be fully aware of what it is and what the impact is is. is has in your overall situation. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I have a guest with me, Brandon Parker, uh, one of our advisors here at Great Point Wealth Advisors. Uh, Brandon's going to share some insights as we kind of, you know, both took the, the did the homework and did our credit report, uh, as well as talk a little bit about some of the things that we, um, you know, you might be able to do from an action step standpoint if once you've done your homework on, on this topic. So let's dive right into it. Let's talk a little bit about what uh, a credit report is or what a credit score is. Um, essentially, your credit report uh, is your financial history. If you've made a payment, if you've had debt, if you've uh, you know borrowed money, there's this track record or history of it. And pretty much it dates back from the very first time you borrowed money. So uh, if you took a credit card out when you were a freshman in college and failed to pay that bill for the first six months, uh, there's a record of that. Uh, if you've taken money and borrowed money for a car loan and made your payments on time, there's there's a record of that. Uh, A lot of people will talk about their credit score, um, which essentially is a snapshot or a number that kind of creates this you know, summary or average of over your overall report. Um, and so, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what that score is and what, you know, kind of a good score and a bad score is. Um, and then, you know, what if, depending on what that score is, how to interpret the data and what things you can be working you know, around that. So, um, you know, when you think about your credit score, that's a number, and it usually ranges anywhere from 300 to 900. And depending on what that score is, it impacts uh, you know your your lending ability, banks, how much they're going to trust you, and those types of things. So, if uh, you have a good score, and let's talk about you know if you Google um, what is a good credit score, you're pretty much going to find you know anything over an 800 is a really really excellent score. Uh, you're kind of like the top tier of of people want to let you have their money because they're you're likely to pay it back. Um, if you're in that range of say um, you know 740 to 800, that is a really good score. So there's maybe some better scores, but that's a that's a really good score. Once again, banks are going to want to give you money because they think you're likely to pay it back. Um, if you fall into the range of 670 to 730, 740, uh, that would be considered a good score, not a great score. Um, if you are in the 630 to 7, 670 range, that would be considered fair uh, if you're doing the same Google search that I did. Uh, and if you're below 630, you know, that would be considered a bad score. So you know, understanding your score is one thing. Understanding what a credit report is different. So your credit report is basically the in-depth review of all those things that make up your score. Um, so as we talk a little bit later, you know, your, your homework for this month is going to be to f- run your credit report and actually get a version where you can review. Um, but let's talk a little bit about you know what the financial impact of of what your credit score is and why should you, why should you matter why it should matter to you. So if you don't know what your credit 
score is, that's step one. Find out what your score is. And if it turns out you've got a good score or a fair score or a bad score, it's not the end of the world. Um, but when it comes to the financial impact, let's say um, you want to go buy a house and you have to apply for a mortgage. And that mortgage, uh, you're going to borrow $300,000 for that mortgage. And at, you go to the bank and they say, you've got a great credit score. We're going to give you the best rate we can give you. And as of today, that rate is you know 5.5%. Don't quote me on rates. Obviously, this is just a hypothetical situation. So, but let's say that rate that rate is five point five percent. Your monthly payment for principal and interest over the thirty years will be about one thousand seven hundred and three dollars. Um, if you had a fair score, a good score, and you went to the bank and they said, well, you've got a good score, but not a great score. So we can't give you that 5.5% rate, but we can give you a mortgage, but it's going to be at 6%. So just a half a percent higher. It's not a big deal, right? Um, And your monthly payment, instead of being $1,703, is going to be $1,798. So a difference of $95 a month once again, you know, the, the you know the ability to get a home and you know for ninety five bucks a month, not a big deal, right? But if you pay that mortgage off over thirty years, that's three hundred and sixty payments at ninety five dollars a month. That adds up to an extra thirty four thousand dollars of interest that you would pay on that mortgage over time. Now, you don't necessarily pay the mortgage off at the exact rate over the thirty years. You may not keep the house for thirty years, but that difference in your interest payments um, is kind of uh, it's an expense. There's no. It doesn't add to the equity in the home. You know, maybe there's a little bit of tax advantage to paying interest, but ultimately that's an expense. So, if you have a good score, you can actually save some money over the course of time. You know, if you're not thinking about buying a home, but you're thinking about buying a car, obviously the amount you're borrowing is going to be less, so the financial impact is going to be different. But uh, cars are depreciating assets. So, and you know, uh, when they're lending money on a car, there's maybe they're a little more nervous about who they're lending that money to. So, let's say you go to buy a new car and it's thirty thousand dollars for that car, and uh, you know, you go to the dealership and they say, "Ooh, your credit is uh, it's okay. Uh, we'll, we'd like to give you the car, but uh, you're gonna." to pay 7% interest on this loan. And if you're like most people buying a car, you don't have $30,000 to just buy it in cash. So you're going to have to kind of take whatever they give you. And so if you if you bought that $30,000 car and you had a five-year li- li- loan payment at 7% interest, your monthly payment would be around $594 a month. So on the same side, you go to that dealership and you've got exceptional credit. And they say, oh, you know, we can't wait to sell you this car. We're going to give you the best loan program we have. We've got this unique financing. It's 2.9% interest for five years because you're such a great, uh, uh, you have such a great credit history. So your monthly payment, instead of being $594, would be $537. Once again, 57 bucks a month not the end of the world. But once again, as you do that over 60 months, that's roughly an extra 3000 or $3,400 that you would pay in interest to own that exact same car. So if you're looking at your... Uh, um, your credit score is okay. What does it really mean to me? Is it you know I'm a 560? I'm a 730? What's the big difference? Now you at least have a little motivation to say, hey, understand what your score is. Uh, if you're not in the spot where you want to be, how do you how do you improve it? Um, so the so where do we start from here? The first thing is okay. Well, I don't know what my credit score is. I don't know how to get a credit report. I have to go find it. Uh, 
So uh, as part of our homework behind the scenes, I tasked my team with going out and finding their credit report. So Brandon, why don't you kind of share with us how you found your credit report? Yeah. Um, Thanks for having me. First of all, Matt, uh, excited to be here in the new year. Um, So I did what most people do when they need to find something. You go to Google, type in credit report and see what comes up. So that's what I did. Um, you can find uh, there's a website pretty quickly that, that pops to the top. And um, I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's freecreditreport.com. Um, click yeah, on it. There's a lot of those. Yeah. 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 So you click on them. And I was just searching around because it's, it's one of those things where you don't necessarily want to just put in all your information right away. You want to make sure it's legitimate and make sure it's what you're looking for. Um, but eventually did find it. The government actually, I think, sponsors a website, right, where you can um, pull up your credit scores or your credit reports, rather. Um, and then I found out that there's three different credit reports. Um, I can never remember the name of all of them. I know the two E ones, Experian and Equifax. Do you know the third? I, I, I actually wrote it down. TransUnion. That was always Transunion, the hardest one. Yeah, yeah, that one always gets me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I uh, pulled up, pulled up um, one of the three and started looking at it so it was pretty pretty interesting i had i looked at it relatively recently um since i bought a home in 2021 um but always good to kind of review and and go through it in actual detail i think you bring up a good point because when you do a google search some of the paid ads come to the top and you know creditreport.com credit karma there's a lot of them out there and they'll get you the information um, but the only thing you want to be careful of is sometimes they will try to ask you to subscribe to a monthly service or uh, you know there's a, there's a pay feature to it so as a as an individual you're rec- you're allowed to pull your credit once a year for for no charge and that's where that Experian Equifax TransUnion that's what they're there for they provide the reports uh, you know some of the for-profit organizations take those reports and then they bundle them with other consumer services that you know there's a value to them if you're going to use them um, but you don't necessarily have to pay a penny to get your credit report every year um, once again this is not something you need to do every year every month if you do it once a year uh, it's probably a good exercise to build into your kind of overall financial planning um, and as you kind of open the report uh, we'll talk about you know what what's in the report and kind of how to interpret the data but um, from a 30,000 foot view Brandon when you pulled the report what uh, uh, without not giving any specifics, but what uh, you know, what would you find was of, of interest that the the listeners might care about? Yeah, so there's there's a ton of data on there. Um, I think it's you know a multiple multiple page report depending on how long your credit history is. Um, but first thing that jumps out to me, um, it starts to give a summary of your total credit, um, the total amount of credit available to you, and um, as you start to go through some of the different accounts, you know, both open and closed in some cases as well um yeah you get to see you get to see a history of all the different payments and and things like that so there's a lot of numbers there it's a little overwhelming at first to be honest with you so Um, if you had a credit card that you just decided you didn't want you cut it up is it is it closed no it's not closed if you cut up the card you got to close the account actively so it's a little bit of um yeah it's one of those things that it could it could come back to bite you if you if you didn't actually take care of it and close the account the, um, and we were talking beforehand about um, one of the other things that's on that first page of the summary, which is your kind of your oldest credit. So, you know, the, basically from the first time you open a credit card, it starts your credit history. Um, but you were talking about, you know, you kind of closed an account that actually hurt your score. Yeah, that was when I learned um, from looking at the credit history. So 
right when I was graduating college, uh, I opened a card, a charge card with American Express. So they don't have a credit limit on those. Um, but basically, you pay it off each month. Um, I closed that account because I didn't need it after a couple of years. And I realized that, you know, probably better suited to, to have something different. And uh, my credit score actually went down temporarily because my credit history was shorter. Um, and my average age of accounts were shorter. So that's something that I, I definitely understand a little bit more now um, as I see all of the different accounts listed. But at the time, I think the only other credit accounts I had were student loans. So um, the first credit card I ever had, I closed and half my history went away overnight. And that's, you know, people kind of underestimate the importance of having uh, a credit history. And you, a lot of times we'll talk to clients and they say, well, you know, my kids are going to college. I, I don't want them to have any debt. I want to make sure that they're in the best position possible. And one of the things we'll advise them is, well, uh, having no debt is you know, good because you're not paying interest, but you're also not creating any type of a credit history. And we we're actually talking with Emma, who's in our office and, uh, you know, uh, have, as a re more recent college graduate, when you go to get a college apartment, when you go to get your first apartment, they ask you for uh, credit history. You know, do you have a credit card? And, uh, you know, there's, you know, in a situation where someone doesn't have a credit history, that could actually harm their ability to get into an apartment. So if you're looking to take an, an apartment with a few friends, sometimes that, uh, you know, if one of them doesn't have a credit history, it could make it a little more challenging for the other two or three roommates to, 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 to secure a position um, without having to rely on a parent to co-sign or everything like that. So uh, if you are a parent listening and you have a you know college-age student, this is definitely a conversation that's worth having and saying, look, you know, we should have a, a credit card, um, you know, that you can build a little bit of a credit history. Understanding that the risks of having a credit card is you could misuse it and you know miss a payment and do harm the other way. Um, but building a responsible awareness of debt and how to use that credit is an important life lesson that you're you know you're dealing with. So if you if, you, if you're out of college and you've never had a credit card, um, debit cards are great uh, for you know say well if I don't have the money I won't spend it. Um, but debit cards don't create a credit history. So having a credit card where maybe you spend two or three hundred dollars a month that you automatically pay off at the end of the month, you know, is a good way to kind of build that that credit. Um, so as you go kind of further into the report, uh, there's something that you know gets to the topic of debt usage. Um, Brandon, you want to talk about what uh, debt usage is and why it matters? Yeah. So this was one of the numbers that I that I saw and kind of gravitated to a little bit on the report. Um, so it shows that your it shows your total credit available um, as a number, which is which is kind of neat when you're not used to looking at that. Um, so it pulls together all of the different you know credit cards, um, different types of of loans you might have, whether that's car or mortgage, things like that, and tells you what that total number is. Um, and then within that, there's also kind of subset that's like revolving credit that's available to you. So when I saw mine, I thought it was pretty interesting. They show your total credit available, which I honestly didn't know offhand, even though I keep a pretty close eye on some of this stuff. Um, and then it shows the amount that you are currently using um, divided by that number and gives you a percentage. So that's your credit utilization rate. Um, so that, that rate is a pretty important um, part of what ultimately ends up being your credit score. Um, so kind of understanding where it comes from and how they actually calculate it was pretty helpful for me so I can think about how I might manage that going forward too. Yeah, so let's say you have just one credit card and it has a $1,000 limit and you have $800 out on that credit card, which is not a big number of debt and you make your $40 or $50 monthly payment and you'll, you'll chip away at it from time to time. 
But if that's your only debt, you have an 80% credit utilization, which banks, car loans, they, that's not a number they really like seeing. So typically, they'd like to see it under 30%, which basically means you use some debt, but you're more likely to pay it off over time. Um, so if you kind of say, well, geez, this my friend has eight credit cards, and they have $20,000 of credit limit, and they also they owe $2,000 they have a lower credit utilization than you do, even though you have a lot lower debt. So uh, having one credit card that you keep you know, low or almost, almost maximum, but you have no other debt, actually could be more damaging to your credit report than having three or four credit cards that you use sparingly. Um, so you know, that's, that's definitely an important number to look at. And as you dig into the report, like I said, if you just get your score, it doesn't give you this detail. That's why it's important to get a, a downloadable version of the report so you can go a little bit deeper. Um, and you might have one card that has a, a utilization of, say, 50%, and maybe another one that's at 4%. So you're you're kind of you have to understand that it's you know your total utilization might be below the number, but card by card or debt by debt, you might be creating some warning signs for some of these lenders or borrowers. Um, and like a lot of things, when it comes to financial planning and financial decisions, um, it may not impact your life today, but it's like a year or two from now that you want to do something, and uh, you're like, oh, if I'd only known, or if I'd just done that. So. A lot of financial planning and being prepared for opportunities is about trying to make smart and consistent decisions over time. And maybe when things aren't necessarily urgent, you're still doing the right things to put yourself in a good position for the future. And your credit score is probably one of the best examples of that because you can't just overnight fix your credit score or fix your credit report. It does take some time. So if you are a younger professional thinking about moving out on your own or you know you're going to want to buy a car a couple of years after college, you really want to start looking at it now to understand what your number is. Um, you know what your you know one of the other things that shows up on the report is your payment history. So when you go item by item, it shows you know have you ever had a late payment? And you know hopefully when you open up the thing, it's just got check mark after check mark. You're always on time. Um, but sometimes life gets in the way and you miss a payment or you changed addresses and you didn't realize a bill or your you know email went to junk and you didn't you didn't check that one. Um, so you understand where the late payment is. And if you know it takes a few months or t six to 12 months for that late payment to kind of have less impact, you might want to say, well, geez, I have a late payment two months ago. Maybe I'll wait four or five or six months until I buy that car or start to look for the apartment because I'll, I'll be in a better position then. So um, that payment history is definitely one of the things that you have to be be aware of and make sure you're you know making payments on time uh there's you know you basically if you're 14 days late sometimes they don't kind of report for the first 30 days so if you do happen to miss a payment try to get the payment in as quickly as possible um, but you know once you start having two and three and four late payments in a short period of time it, it can be pretty damaging um, so you definitely want to be aware of that payment history and when those are going to maybe cycle off um, the other thing I'm talking to Brandon off the screen, there's there's a lot of tools that you can use, you know, either through your credit card or through your bank, uh, that kind of you kind of do like what if. So if you if you've got a number, and let's say your credit score is 640, and you're not happy about that, but you're not sure how to do that, there are some tools that you can leverage to say, well, how do I get that better? Um, Brandon, you want to talk a little about you know some of the exercises you were working on? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So this is the primary way that I actually keep an eye on my credit score and, and kind of understand where I'm at. Um, but a lot of the credit cards now offer um, just a, a monthly um, credit score update. 
Um, and along with that, they offer a little bit of a simulation. So you can kind of enter in some of the scenarios, as you mentioned. Um, so things like, you know, if you were to add two years of credit history, what would that do to your score? Um, if you were to add two years of on-time payments, what would that do to your score? What if I wanted to take out a loan for a car? What would that do to my score? So um, it, it's actually really helpful as you think about what impact each different piece of your credit history has on your credit score. Um, and I'll just share, like, personally, I uh, I found my score would go up if I took out a credit, um, excuse me, if I took out a car loan, um, because it would be a different type of debt that I have. Hmm. currently don't have a car loan. So one of those things where I'd be taking out more debt, but the score would go up. So it's a little counterintuitive in that sense. Um, but it shows that, you know, if you're establishing a history of paying off different types of, of debt, being responsible with your credit, that's something that gets rewarded in your score. Yeah, and I think you have to remember that, you know, put yourself in the banker's shoes or the lender's shoes. So ultimately, they're trying to use this number to determine if they give you money, what's the likelihood that they get their money back? Um, and if there's a high likelihood they're going to get the, your their money back, they don't need to charge you as high of an interest. Um, but if there's if there's a greater risk that you might not pay them, the way they're compensated for that additional risk is by charging you a higher interest rate. So but once again, think about the bank. If they give 10 loans to people with bad credit and only eight of them pay them back, but eight of them pay them back at a high enough interest rate that it offsets the money they lost on the other two, um, then they're kind of, they've met their, their quota um, versus loaning uh, money to 10 lenders who are all likely to pay them back, but at a lower interest rate. So ultimately, the bank is trying to, you know, it's a business and they're trying to figure out how they manage their risk so that they, uh, you know, can make future loans to other people down the line. So, um, you know, understanding your credit report, uh, like I said, it's boring. It's not the most exciting topic. Um, and that's not, and it's not something you need to be doing every day. Um, but if you've, if you have no idea what your credit score is, or if you've never pulled your credit report, a great way to kind of kick off 2023 and start to get, you know, the, your financial life in order is to find that report. Um, so, you know, your homework for this month, and as, as we, you'll see a common thread as we do these episodes, the goal is to, you know, pick one topic each month that will have an impact and then give you a little bit of kind of action items to, to do so that you might be able to kind of put some of these into practice. So your action, your homework for this month is to uh, find your credit report uh, and download a copy of it somewhere onto your desktop or your Google Drive where you can save it and just review it, you know, from time to time. Um, and then once you have that report, actually read it and you know, go through each page. Uh, and if you're not sure what some of the numbers mean, ask a friend, ask a parent, um, ask someone you trust. Just say, hey, you know, do you, do you know what this number is? Is there anything um, you know, I, I need to be worried about? Um, and if, like I said, if your number is in the fair to bad area, then you, your second homework item is to do some things that Brandon was talking about and play around with the simulations of how you improve that. Um, if you have late payments, that's an easy one. Pay your bills on time. But if you don't have a credit report or you don't have enough of a credit history, then maybe some things you, you can do to, to start to improve that so that when when you're ready for that you know thing that's coming down the road that you're not sure what it is just yet, you're going to be in the best position possible to, to take advantage of it. So, um, you know, Brandon, thanks for uh, for being here. Thanks for all your insight and for your, your information. Um, to our listeners, like I said, when it comes to financial planning, there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to everybody. There's not a perfect credit number. There's not, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a, 
I wish it was easy, but there's not this just, you know, everyone, if everyone does this, they'll be fine. It's about finding, you know, your, uh, the best approach for you that meets, you know, fits with your financial needs, your goals, the things that are happening in your life. Um, but ultimately with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of discipline, a little bit of practice, um, you, your overall confidence in how you manage your money, how you deal with these situations and how you prepare for the future will be drastically improved. So, um, Hope you hope you got one or two good ideas that you can put into practice from today's episode. And until next time, thanks for being here. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.